0: Let's say a prayer to begin. Let us pray. Almighty God, whom to know is everlasting life, grant us perfectly to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that following his steps, we may steadfastly walk in the way that leads to eternal life. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad to see all of you. I, this is this is great. Um, it's spent a, a long time coming, getting Bible study back up. Unfortunately, um, there's a funeral today at 11, so we have to, we're going to have to quit just a little bit early, around 10 o'clock, just, just to sort of manage the logistics. Um, just so you know, that'll be happening, um, probably end around 10. So that's why we're starting a little early. Now, does everybody have a copy of this book that I set out? Looks like there's two left, so I'll get some more. This, um, you've read some stuff by Lauren Winner before. Um, stuff that is, has been memoirs, uh, stories of, of her conversion. Um, this book is different. It's of a different character. This is sort of a, a theological meditation. Um, she's rather than talk, talking about sort of her life, although she does tell a lot of stories, she's um, exploring an idea. And the idea is uh, the different ways that we talk about God. Um, so b- before I start, have any questions? Any any questions? So here's what we're going to do today. I, on that bookmark, um, you see the chapters are divided up over the next uh, couple of months. Today we're just going to sort of um, preview some of the topics because there are some there are some tricky things that we have to wrap our heads around before uh, in order to make sense of what Lauren Winner is saying and. Just, right off the bat, we're gonna to have to. It's gonna have to be a critical evaluation of what she's read, what she's saying. There's some. Uh, the real benefit of what she's writing is uh, that she opens up to us a way of looking at scripture that maybe you've not, you've not uh, seen before. But she also has some presuppositions, some premises that she works with, which we might find objectionable. So we have to read it with a discerning eye, and that means. Um, Think about some things carefully beforehand. So the first thing I want to do is I want to talk about um, how we think of God. The whole book is about, let's see, if, if you looked at the, if you look at the opening quotation before page, before the table of contents, I'll just read it, it's hard to find, there's no page number. So after the, after the credits... There's a quotation that says, Were we in our efforts to give an account of God, to make use only of expressions that are literally true, it would be necessary for us to desist from speaking of him as one that hears and sees and pities and wills to the point that there would be nothing left for us to affirm except the fact of his existence. So this this goes back to um, the way that philosophers have always talked about God. So if you're gonna sit if you sit back. You don't know anything. You don't. You don't have the word of scripture. You don't uh, have any religious context. You might think to yourself, I can imagine that there is something, somebody, a being that's better than everything else. That's good, perfectly good. I know some good things and some bad things. There's, that means there's got to be something that's perfectly good, and I'm going to call that God, right? That's that's the way the philosophers and lots of religions sort of. Found their understanding of God. We do things differently. How do we know God? How do we know who He is? By His Word. By His Word, right? So He tells us who He is, and then even more personally, how do we know who God is? He puts His name on you. you. What's the name? Jesus. Yeah, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we 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 know even more about God. And right at right at that point, if you said. So um, let's do this. Here's the here's the exercise. What are some what are some words that you would use to describe the concept of God? You're gonna say this is true about God, what kinds of things are true about God? Father. Okay. That we get from scripture, right? Creator. Creator. Okay, and that actually um, you could probably you can get that. Apart from the scripture. Because you get you could say um, everything that's all around us has to come from somewhere, and that somewhere where it comes from must we'll just call that God. Okay, what else could, what else would you say about God? All um, knowing. Yeah. Omniscient, right? All powerful. Omnipotent. All these omnis, right? Mm-hmm. Omnipotent. Omnipresent everywhere. Because basically you you end up saying, well, what everything Everything that we understand, God has to transcend that in order to be God. Otherwise, he's not God. So that means he has to know everything. He has to be able, more powerful than everything. He has to be able to be everywhere. Um, this, is, this is sort of, um, what kind of a picture of a God does this give you? How would you, how would you characterize that picture of God? Kind of distant. vague. And yeah, vague and distant. I mean, this could be anybody, right? And basically, could be the god of any religion, right? Omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. Um, There's something Well, it's also vague. For God to be God, he also has to be something we cannot imagine. Yeah, so beyond understanding, beyond imagination. Transcendent is the word that, um, that's usually used. So, we have all... And this is, this is actually... Um, there's a lot to say about this. And I'm, I apologize if I'm moving fast. We're going to get... You'll have next week to talk about this, too. But I want to lay some of the groundwork. Um, God is other. Completely other than our experience. So, we have all these categories that we talk about things in... Um, that we normally understand the world. And God introduces a new category. He's, a, he's above all of that. Otherwise... He's, a, he's part of creation, right? Otherwise, he's just like us, right? So he has to be transcendent. And again, still, you have um, this sort of vague and distant notion of God. And here, here you get a lot of religions that say um, well, one, the, the defining characteristic of God is that he is spirit and isn't, isn't fleshly, doesn't have a body. And so, in order, to be, in order to have communion, union with God, we have to transcend our bodies... To get to the Spirit, God. Um, now Christianity is very different. Already, uh, you see that with the word Father. What are other What are other words that we use to describe God, as Christians? We as Christians. Savior. Savior? Merciful. Merciful. Okay. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's, uh, let's see, let's distinguish here between um, a descriptor and a name. What what other names are there for God? healer, comforter. Okay, okay, hey, hey, on, I do so fast. Comforter, healer, he- okay, he- what else, anything else? Keep going. Protector. Protector. Messiah. Okay. Keep going. Judge. God-man. Okay. Good shepherd. good shepherd. Thank you. Good, good shepherd. King. King. Physician. Physician. Prophet. Healer. Okay, what else? Provider. Provider. Now, think, now think, um, think about narrow yourself into what the... So this is language that we use about him in the church, right? Um, and this is, this is a lot of language that's really helpful when we petition God, right? So we, we say we pray to God the comforter that he would comfort us because we say, oh, oh God, you promised to provide comfort. You are the comforter. That should be that's in your nature to be to comfort. So comfort us. Can you think of um, images that are used in the Bible, um, especially by Jesus, to describe himself? Lamb of, God. Lamb of God. Light. Okay. Son of Man. Okay. What else? The way. The way. <clears throat> truth <laughs> the life okay water you said living water, water. cornerstone stone. Oh, these are great um, you guys know a lot bread, bread and yeah okay anything else yeah okay good I'm gonna put that one right here because that one's special you know, remember, remember so on another hand, Yeah, well, let's we'll leave it hanging out there for a second. What else? Okay, so let's pause here for a second. So now, over here, you said these things are all vague and distant, which I, I agree with wholeheartedly. This is um this is the kind of guy who winds up the winds up his plaything and sends it off and watches it go. Right? What is what are how can you sum up? What we've written down here? Involved. Okay, um, I have nowhere to write. Involved. Yeah, I I think those two things go together, right? Involved, personal. So, sorry, was there another one? Active. Yeah. However, the top ones that we did on this side are a lot of them are sort of comforter, healer. Those are things that also people can be. Yes. Yeah. The ones on the bottom are more mysterious. Like, have more of a. Right. So, a, like. A living water, the way. Like, no one, no one's calling. I'm not calling myself. Good. Those things, let's but let's. I could be a comforter. Yeah, let's distinguish that. So, um, protector, you could save somebody. A redeemer, even I mean, a kinsman redeemer, right? You give you, exactly. right. give something provider, up. Um, provider. Provider. A shepherd, maybe not a good one, but a shepherd. Right. So, no, absolutely, though. yeah, a shepherd. Um, but certainly not a well. So now here, here's where we, this is this is the point that I want to get to. Um, somebody can literally be a protector, right? All you have to do is think of a guard, right? A shield and a sword. That person is a protector. They're not figuratively a protector. Somebody can literally be a shepherd. They care for sheep. Somebody can also figuratively be a shepherd, right? So, Valgati is a shepherd. Um, a shepherdess. And um, a cornerstone, you could say the same thing, right? We'd say about people all the time, this person is a rock. right? So, figuratively, but not literally. When Jesus says, this is a big question. When Jesus says that, uh, when he quotes the Psalms and says that he's the stone that the builders rejected, has become the chief cornerstone, is he... Does he mean it literally or figuratively? He means it both. But okay. It, but we hear it figuratively. Okay, can you explain that to me? I don't know. This is a little, an honest question. I, I'm, I'm just like making this up as I go along. Me too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not. We literally, we don't, Jesus is not a stone. When he's he's, not, saying a, that he's not a piece himself, of hunk like, rock. Someone said, well, he's looking at him, not a piece of rock. Yeah. So they're thinking, what does he mean when he says he's a cornerstone? Right. He's a, he's applying it to something this ancient culture would understand. Yeah. Like a living living water stone bread. That those are things that that culture would understand. Sure. Yeah. But, he, but he's also it. But he is it as well at yeah, the same time because of, you, I mean you think of the church. But he isn't. Okay. So this is the distinction to make. He isn't a cornerstone in the same way that he is a protector or is. Messiah, or is flesh and blood. He's like a cornerstone. He's like a cornerstone. So here we have metaphorical language. Um, and here we have some literal language. We have These are images. Cornerstone, bread, living water. Even lamb of God, because he's not really a lamb. Yeah, and right. The people would look at him and go, he's not a lamb. He's not a lamb. Mm-hmm. It's an image, right? Um, now, okay, so this is important. As we're proceeding, you have to distinguish between um, the literal and the figurative. This this is really important for Christianity in general. You know this because of the Lord's Supper, right? This is the this is in the Reformation. The big discussion is when Jesus says, "This is my body." Does he mean this is my body, or does he mean this is like my body, or my body is like this bread? Right. The short answer. To most of those kinds of questions are, it's literal until proven otherwise. Right? Because uh, if we assume that everything is figurative to begin with, then we never know what's true. Right? So you start, with, you start with the literal, but then maybe you have a reason to say that something's figurative. So in the Reformation, the, um, the, Refo- the Reformed, the Calvinists and the Zwinglians, they said, here are all the reasons why it's got to be figurative. And it boiled down to, Jesus can't be Bread. Bread can't be his body. Now, as soon as you say something about God where you say he can't be, you're you're in murky territory because, of course, he can be whatever he wants to be, right? In fact, the, the, the way they talked about it was that they said the finite isn't capable... I'm not going to write that down. The finite isn't capable of the infinite. So that means a piece, a piece of bread can't contain the infant. But we say, if Jesus says it, then it is, right? So this means that we have to be very active readers. When we're reading scripture, we have to know what's going on. Is, uh, does is mean is, or does it mean is like? Now, oftentimes it's very clear. For instance, when um, Jesus talks about being the mother hen, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often have I longed to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks, right? So he says, I'm, I'm, I'm motherly. He doesn't say, I am a mother. He says, I am like a mother. Um, and that's different than... that. Now, this is, the, this is the key. That's different than saying he is father, right? Where do we get this language of father from? Right. Okay. So from the Trinity. So God is. So we have Father. I've got to erase some stuff. (laughs) Flip it over. Yeah. I would trip and fall. (laughs) Okay. So we have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And this is the name of God. This is the name that gets put on you in baptism. This is the name in which we begin every divine service. We begin in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We do that because this is how God has revealed Himself to us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's Father because He has a Son. And He's Son because He has a Father. And He's Holy Spirit because the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. Okay? So, in the first place... God is Father because he has begotten the Son. Okay? This is really important. Um, you know, in the if you read it in um, the King James Version, like Genesis, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so. And so-and-so was wicked, and God killed him, and then he begat so-and-so, right? Um, this notion of begetting is. Is crucial to the definition of what a father is. Right? Think for a second. What what then makes a mother a mother? If a father begets, what does a mother do? Gives birth. Can we say it? Can we say it in 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 a word? A single word. Birth. Okay. It's just. Bears, thank you. This was an exercise in guessing what I'm thinking. A mother bears. A father begets. What does a son do? Is born. Something happens to him. He's, he's passive, right? Okay, so... God is father because he has begotten the son. And um, that son is of, of a particular, it's peculiar because he does something that you wouldn't expect God to do, right? He's born of human flesh. He has an earthly mother, but he's begotten of God. So God is one who begets. Now, uh, where else? So God is not just father of Christ. Where else do we get this language? Okay. Um, yeah. Well, how would, How so? How would? How would Abraham, that mean? Abraham was father, or was to be father of many children. Right. That was God's promise to him, and then I, I don't know. I don't know where then it, it transferred. Maybe one the, the New Testament, and Jesus came and said, "You know, I come from the Father." Right. right until the new testament when Jesus claims yeah um, the the language does show up in the old testament although we don't learn about it until the new testament um think think of the psalm where Jesus Jesus quotes it to the Pharisees and says how can David say my lord says my lord my lord lowercase l says to my lord nope other way around the Lord, my Yahweh, says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Right. So there we're talking about this father-son relationship. But we that is fleshed out for us literally in the New Testament, right? Jan. Well, probably as a child, our first cognition of God as Father is when we're taught our Father who art in heaven. Okay. Okay. Now this is this is really important. How does this come about? Where does that happen? Where does Jesus So tell me the Bible story? Disciples come and say, Teach us how to pray. And, right. And Jesus says a couple of things. In Matthew, he says, When you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites who make a big show. You won't or the or the Gentiles who want to be heard by their many words. Instead, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father. Which then, so this is this is such a theologically rich point because, to the previously, we knew that God was the Father of Jesus, and now He's saying, "Look, you all are children too, begotten of the Father, right? Begotten by adoption, not in the same way that Jesus is begotten, but when God says something is true, it's true." So we, we, we claim the same source as Jesus in, in redemption. We're from the Father. Now, take a look. i gave give you a handout. This is a good place to do it. There's um, this quotation from, from Hopko. I can't remember his first name. I think it's Tom. Tom Hopko. He's got some Lenten devotions. And just the first paragraph is really helpful. He says... When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, the Lord did not tell them to use their imaginations and express their feelings. He did not tell them that it really did not matter how, long, how they prayed as long as they were sincere. And he certainly did not tell them to walk, talk to God in their own words. He was praying in a certain place, and this is from Luke, and when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, pray, Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. So when Jesus says pray, he says pray using these words, right? Now, Hopko makes this interesting point that um, it doesn't have to be those words specifically. When Jesus teaches us to... In fact, you see that because... Matthew's account is different from Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer. He, said, he means, the, you don't have to say those exact words, but Jesus gives you the content. He fills the content of your prayers, right? And he, so, he points you to the person to whom you're addressing your prayers. Nobody other than your Father, right? Um, and then we get this great uh, business in, um, in Matthew, um, asking him you will receive. If you, you who are evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Um, okay, I'm going to pause there for a second. We've been all over the place. Do you have any questions? Yes. Where in the Bible is God first referred to as Father? I don't know. Um... That's a good question. Um, When, so I'm going to redirect. When we first first introduced to God personally, Moses in the burning bush, who does God say that he is? I am who I am. When the people of Israel ask, what should I say? Tell them, I am who I am, right? Um, And then he identifies himself as the God of your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Um, so at that point he's describing himself as th- the, source of, the source of this family which I think, I think it probably would have been pretty comfortable for them to say, to think of him as father, the thing that's unique in the New Testament is that um, when Jesus says our father maybe you know this, the word that he uses for father is a really um, what's the best, it's a really sweet word Abba, daddy Right, It's not... Because we, we can note this difference, right? In fact, if, you're, if, you, if you hear kids talking about their father, it's usually because their father has disciplined them recently, right? But if you hear them talking about their dad, then it's because their dad was playing ball with them in the backyard, right? Um, we, we, there, there's this nuance that we notice, and Jesus specifically uses this word that is uh, very nuanced. Um, and that's probably... When Jesus, when Jesus tells us to pray... In the New Testament, that's really the sort of the starting place. Then we can look back and see how God has been Father all along. But addressing God as Father for us as, as Christians comes from Jesus' basically when Jesus institutes it with the Lord's Prayer. Any other questions? Okay. Now, you said, you said about all of these words... That they show that they're, they're active and involved and personal. I think that's a pretty good description. Um, except for like maybe bread. Um, or I am the gate of the sheep, right? Gate. What does it mean if Jesus is a gate? Um, how, would you, how would you describe those things? What, what are, what, what, when Jesus says those things, what's he trying to do? Tell us that he's the way to go. I mean, you know, yeah. when you're talking about like the gate and that, I mean, we have to go through him.
1: Right. Yeah. To the kingdom of
0: heaven. So he's giving us, so he's giving us a picture, right? Um, he's, he's telling us something about himself that we wouldn't otherwise know, right? He's, he's filling in the details. And the reason why he has to use images is because it's, it's beyond our comprehension, right? So um, he's like a gate. Now, here again is a big distinction to make. So we have to, when we're reading scripture, these are the two things to take away. When you're reading scripture, you have to distinguish between literal language and figurative language. Talk, literal talk about God and figurative talk about God. Because if you go through and assume that everything is, so if you assume that everything is literal, then you're going to think of Jesus as swinging on a hinge, at a gatepost, right? And that doesn't, it, not that it couldn't be, right? Because if he said it, it could be. But that's, but that's not what he means. And we can, we can discern that from the context. Um, so you have to distinguish between the literal and the figurative. But you also have to distinguish between the things that are reflections of human realities that we can understand. And the things that belong to God in the first place. So here's what I mean by that. When Jesus says he is the gate, or when he says he is bread... We know what that means because we know what a gate looks like and we know what bread is. But when Jesus says that God is Father, he doesn't mean, look around and see what your father's like, that's what God is like. He doesn't mean that. He means, your father is like God. Right? Your father is a reflection of, of God's fatherhood. Now, with that in mind, what other, what other images... What other language about God is God the source of? What other What other language? Uh, this is a bad question. I'll just tell you. Um, Ephesians, Ephesians five. Um, I mean, husband, right? Husband and wife, mm-hmm. marriage, right? So now this is this is if you say well, let's look around, God's just, Jesus is just referring, Paul's just referring to um, human marriages as an example of what God's relationship, Christ's relationship to the church is like, then you're going to have an awful time, because human marriages aren't great. But, this is what Paul says. He says, uh, in Ephesians 5, when he quotes Genesis, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall be one, become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So it starts with Christ and the church, and then we get human marriage from that, right? Redeemed human marriage, Christian marriage from that. Um, so that's another big distinction we have to make. in, in When God uses... Uh, when Jesus uses language to describe himself is he inviting us to look around at the things that we know or is he telling us that God is the source of something that we are to to imitate in other words to reflect okay does that make sense okay and we're going to have to you're going to have to put your thinking caps on when we read Lauren Winter because um, she might not come to the same conclusions that we we do about these sorts of things all right any questions? Okay. One of the useful, one of the really useful things that we're going to come, we're going to come away with from this book is um, ways to address God. Maybe you, you've, if you've been through the catechumen, um, you know, you've heard Pastor Brusick talk about how important it is. Um, to know the names of, the names of Jesus, the, the, the ways we can address God, so that we can ask him for specific things. Because what belongs to his name belongs to him. And so when you say, Christ the great physician, we're, we're, we're referring to him as the one who heals. This is, this is who he is. And we appeal to him as the physician. Um, when we say, the Prince of Peace, it's not just because it sounds nice, but it's because he actually brings peace, um, and 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 specifically in his body and blood, right? The peace of the Lord be with you always, right? He brings; he's the Prince of Peace. So when we when we pray, oh, Prince of Peace," that's what we're that's what we're talking about. We're talking about that peace, and then and then with that in mind, we say, "Man, you've you've given us that. You can give us all kinds of great things, all kinds of peace." Um, so so this will be really helpful in terms of. Uh, Enriching the way we pray. I tend to. I tend to pray. Uh, I pretend to say, "Heavenly Father," not thinking very carefully about what I'm saying. Um, and it will be. It, it, so this will be an exercise for me. But it's very helpful. It's very helpful to think carefully about how you address God when you pray. Um, what are some of the ways when you pray? When you, when you pray, what are the primary ways you address God? What do you usually say? Lord. Yeah. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Almighty God, creator and redeemer. Okay. Source of all that is good. Okay. All at one time, do you say that? Or... Sometimes. Okay. I'm going to run out of space. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. so so I hope you can see so this is the great this is the great point that Lauren Winter makes I hope you can see that this language while biblical and strong um narrows our narrows our view of God to our human our the things that we see the the human reflections that we see of these things so when we say Lord um I I only I think I think about power and dominion right Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think about when Jesus says to his disciples, you are my friends, right? Or I don't think about what Jesus, when he says, how often I have longed together you as a mother and gathers her chicks. Um, and that's certainly true of Almighty God and, and Heavenly Father. Now, um, this is something just, just by way of uh, a disclaimer. You're going to find in this reading... In the second chapter, Lauren Winter makes a an argument. It makes a case for using feminine pronouns to talk about God. Um, so I'll have Pastor Nelson talk about that with you next. Week. <laughs> but the, but here's here's the short answer. This is the way this is the way to think about it. Okay. Um, so there's there's a lot of history in the church um, in the last half century that. Um, Comes with a lot of baggage, which brings us to today. Um, it, it's it's all sorts of things. It's the sexual revolution. It's it's uh, feminism. It's um, American sort of independence ideology. Um, there's a lot of things that that push and pull, and what's at stake is often the notion of equality, right? Egalitarianism, and and I I give Lauren Winter. Um, some credit for coming out on the other side of all of this history, and saying and asking just the basic question. She's saying, "Well, what what is what would be most useful? What would be most useful in, in talking about God?" And she says, "You'll find this." She says, um, "God is neither male nor female, so uh, we should we should guard against using language only language which makes God seem only masculine, only male." That's what she says. That's basically her argument. Which is a, um, I mean, it's a a fair thing to say, right? Because it, uh, especially if you have sort of patriarchal societies in mind, there's a lot of baggage that comes along with that. If um, you have a bad relationship with your father, right, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that. Um, If, you know, if you're a man or a woman, there's a a big difference that comes in addressing God or understanding God to be masculine or feminine. Now, so, so here's the, the short answer to it. Um, the Bible the Bible uses masculine language to talk about God. Not just because it's it was culturally the way to do it, but because God is identified as Father. Okay, so you, you so it go, it goes this way. Um, if you think of if you think of Father. As one of many images for God, then you'd say, well, when I'm thinking, when I'm talking about God as Father, then of course I'm going to use a masculine pronoun. But when I'm thinking about God as Mother, which as a mother hen, right, um, then I'm going to use feminine pronouns. But this, it's not an image. Father's not an image for God. He is Father. And so he is he. Um, and this is, this is really, this is also related to the fact that Jesus is a man, too, right? It's uh, you can't you can't get around that fact. Um, if you try to get around it, it's usually because um, you have something you an agenda, something that you want to push, some 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 way that you want the Bible not to say what it says. Holly. We also put it down. I mean, scriptural uh, about begetting and right. Yep. Or exactly. Yeah. Right. So um, so God is Father, which means He begets. And only men, only men begets. We use masculine language, so so you could try this on, try this out. Um, Basically, what, what it amounts to is saying, in humanity, men and women beget and bear by a particular means, right? Biologically, this is how it happens. This is how it manifests. And so we can't help but think about male and female in those terms. But when we're talking about God, it's certainly not in those terms. He's not biological at all, right? Until he's Jesus. Um, But that doesn't mean that... uh... So that means that there's sort of a transcendent way in which God begets. How does God beget? How does God beget you as children? Adoption. Baptism. The means of grace. The sacraments, right? Now, the image is complete because who bears you church, right? The font, the font, his, historically, forever and ever has been called a womb, uh, because you are born from that font um, in the church, your mother, who bears you, and God is your father, right? This is, and then, um, then you have the, the image of Christ, not, not just the image, but you have Christ, the bridegroom, marrying his bride, the church. Right, so the, so this is not incidental. And so, um, read Lauren Winner's argument and see what you can make of it. Um, but this is this is sort of we can't we can't throw this away because along with it comes so much of our theology, right? So much of what what founds everything we do every day, right? When we pray our, the Lord's prayer, when we baptize, we can't say we can't baptize in the name of the mother. Son and Holy Spirit, because that's not who God is, right? Um, okay, we're going to stop here, unless you have any questions. Read the first 31 pages, 30 pages. For ne- I do not. There are way more of you than I was expecting. I'll order some more books, we'll have them this weekend. Nope, that's not true. <laughs> who Raise your hand if you need a book. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. I have two. You can have... I'll just put them here. (laughs) Um, I'll order more. Okay? All right. Let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.